Welcome to the Weave Podcast. My name is Sarah Resnick, and I'm the host of this podcast and the owner of the online weaving yarn shop, Gist Yarn and Fiber. Hello. Welcome to Contextualizing Textiles. This week on the podcast, I'm speaking with Una Lee of Kindigo. Kindigo is a Korean brand company making sustainable and skin-friendly textile products with Korean natural indigo. They run an indigo farm and several indigo workshops in order to introduce Korean indigo extraction and dyeing methods to people today. Hey, Una, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to speak with you today. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. Can you start out by telling us about your background and sharing how you found your way into the world of textiles and farming? Yeah, of course. Um, so I'm Una and working at a small company called Kindigo, which means Korean Indigo. So basically, we are a team of Indigo dyers and farmers in Korea. And we try to make something not just beautiful, but also meaningful to people and people's body and the nature with the natural Indigo dye in Korea. Um, so like just to briefly introduce what Korean indigo dyeing is and why it is so important to us is that um first of all since all days indigo dyeing and indigo plant has been used as a kind of a herbal medicine in Korea so it's one of part of our tradition and traditional like medicine and everything. Yeah, so it's got this kind of um, natural benefit that can be used in the modern day as well. And also in Korea, there is this unique traditional way of processing indigo dyeing. And this specific technique, like involving natural fermentation and like some kind of unique um, technique, has been designated as a national, like intangible heritage. And it's, it has um, heritage and historical value to Korean people. But, um, like any, every part of other world, natural dyeing has been forgotten by people due to chemical dye and like mass production and everything. Um, so we kind of try to bring this various values of natural indigo back to the modern lifestyle and everyday life of people today. Um, so, I personally joined this kindigo, this group around like two years ago after studying my master's degree in cultural heritage. By then, I was more interested in the value of indigo dyeing in terms of uh, heritage and like cultural history. But then after um, experiencing that um, the indigo dyeing from the farming to actual dying process and also meeting with the community and people around the, around me i was more fascinated by the process and idea of sustainability and the mission of this team which is like to bring natural value back to everyday life of people today so yeah that's yeah i guess this is <laughs> who we are and who i am <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, that's awesome um so can you talk about in what ways indigo is sacred to korean culture right um 
So, firstly, it's like not like any other natural dyeing. Indigo kind of needs a specific way of producing color and with the color pigment, it also needs a specific process of like fermenta- fermentation and dyeing, which requires some like technique and specific ingredients and etc. And because of the kind of a difficulty and like skills that is required to do this process, since all days, Korean people kind of value the technology and the process and skill of indigo, natural indigo dyeing more than like slightly more than other type of dyeing. So I can't remember when, but it it has become a national like important intangible heritage as well. And mm. like those indigo masters who has been doing. Indigo dyeing for like generation are actually kind of designated as like human treasure and things like that. So there is this kind of historical background to like Korean natural indigo dyeing in in Korea. I think in Japan there is like a similar thing for indigo dyeing as well. Um and another yeah, its value as a herbal medicine. Has been also really well noticed since the old days. Of course, like these modern times, people tend to forget about uh, the the ancient like traditional medicine and etc. But it has been one of the like most valuable hmm. method for the skin disease in old days in Korea. Wow, that's super interesting. I didn't know that. Um... Indigo was good for skin disease. Is it the fermented version? Yeah, actually. So it's a bit, I guess, different from other natural dyeing. Like when we do the indigo dyeing, we don't use any like fire, like we don't boil the water, but we just um, rely on the slow process of natural fermentation. And it's pretty sustainable that all the ingredients we put in can be returned to the nature without polluting the land or water. Mm. And what are some of the ingredients that you use and how does it go from a plant to a dye? Right. So so basically indigo is a plant. Like there are different types of indigo in the world. And in Korea, we use a plant called (laughs) Polygonum <laughs> tintorium. Yeah. And the, yeah, it's a scientific name. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so the color, blue colorants are like hidden inside the leaf. And one of the technology, like one of the traditional technique is to take the blue colorant out of the leaf with, like with the natural process. So, when we do that, we like harvest fresh leaf in summer times and store it in the water for like one or two days. Then, um, then we'll see like a light neon blue color coming out from the leaf. So we only collect the water and we put the shell, seashell ash. It's kind of like a 
traditional local recipe in Korea. So we use seashell ash in the water and make like big bubbles to collect the blue colorant mm. from the water. So that's how we make the pigment. So it, it's going to be like a muddy um, type paint, not paint, but like dye rather than the powder. Yeah. And then we, we store the color pigment, um, for like, it can be stored for many years whenever, so we can store it and use it whenever we want to dye. So with, if you have the color pigment, this color pigment, then you can, um, start dyeing by fermenting this color pigment. So that's like a second step of it, Korean mm, indigo dyeing. Wow. Um, and yeah, and to ferment, we use um, Korean alcohol to give the bacterial environment. In order to enact the fermentation process? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's right. That's so interesting. I've actually, um, I'm familiar with, as you mentioned before, the Japanese Sukumo method. Oh, right. Um, oh yeah 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 so i was thinking about that but i've i've actually am very unfamiliar with um the way that indigo is processed in korea so that's that's super interesting yeah it's quite different from japan yeah they do make (laughs) uh like leaves skumo yeah Mm -hmm. and you also um so you mentioned that the type of indigo that you grow um you you mentioned its name is that a tropical indigo um, I I don't think so. I think in like um like more like like around the hotter and wetter area like Southeast Asia, they mm. use um indigofera more often. I think, which is like um grown in. I'm not hundred percent sure, but like I'm aware that this plant will grow in like. India and Thailand, mm-hmm. but the type of indigo we use in Korea is, I think you can find. I think Japanese indigo is kind of the same breed. Uh, so it's a yeah. uh, it's, it's winter more, hardy. Yeah, I think it's yeah slightly more. <laughs> of course, it needs water and sunshine as well. But I think the the plant we have here is. It's more suitable to Korean weather rather than the the other environment. Mm, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. And you mentioned that you guys work from a farm. How big is your farm? Yeah. Um. Actually, our own farm is like in terms of scale. It's. I don't think it's like amazingly big. It's around like um one point five to two acre like for us mm-hmm. but then we have this community we always work with in korea like there are there is this one um um village cooperative like village coop that we always like cooperate and there is um like wider level association called like korean natural dying association <laughs> Mm. So we can like 
because of course we cannot do the huge scale of farming by ourselves every time. So we get like more like mutual help from the local indigo farmers and like other people who can do like some farming in other parts of the country. So I guess that's how we get the like more like enough indigo supply. But we do also have keep our farm every year like around like one or two acre just to yeah be part of this community and the farming and yeah like we our farm is kind of near the capital city of Korea Seoul and there are actually not that many farmland available Mm. (laughs) around the city center but if yeah like we have some um, two closest, um, indigo farm near where we are. Like, yeah, it's like a, an hour or two hours drive from Seoul. And yeah, that's we, where we go quite often, visit quite often to just meet the farmer and see how things go. And yeah. But there are more in the other parts of the country. I believe. Is indigo farming something that's popular or have you seen like a resurgence in interest in natural dyeing? Um, to be honest, it isn't the most popular farming activity in Korea because like, it's not something that you can eat and mm. the market itself is not, I mean, not big. So... It's not the major farming crop in Korea, but there are like people, mm, not many, but enough to build up a small community to like um, communicate and get help. I think it's growing slowly. Every year, we get more and more people who are interested in growing indigo. Mm. And they come and get like a seed, either seed or seedlings from us. And they want, they say like they want to try planting them and try dying with their own indigo. Yeah, I guess it will be, there will be more people interested eventually in the, in the future <laughs> hopefully <laughs> yeah and what type of growing methods do you use um so we try to keep everything um organic so because uh even though it's not something that you eat we are actually you we're trying to make like keep the natural value of the the indigo plant and this herbal medicinal benefit and everything. So we, when we work with other farmer as well as for our farm, we try not to use any like chemical pesticides and yeah, and we try to keep things done by done by hand. Mm. Anyway, the farm is not that large so <laughs> it's manageable and so far yeah but yeah we try to keep this organic like way of farming so when there is like a 
yeah, we don't really like use chemical like um, agents to kill those bugs. Bugs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned earlier about um, healing people with the cloth that you make. Can you kind of talk about how you guys have created community and a conversation surrounding the ancestral mm-hmm. value of indigo? One of the main missions of Kindigo is to use the natural value of indigo dyeing to like yeah so that it can be used by people in like everyday life of people today and one of the way we found was to do this through a product that can be used more often so in korea usually when you say natural dyeing there are more connection to like traditional clothes and more like really like high-end sophisticated like style clothing and something more special rather than everyday like daily thing mm-hmm. um so we like these days we try to cooperate and collaborate more with people mm, probably younger generation i would say to develop something that can be used more often in our life so we work with like um, like some like young designers um and like artists craftsmen and etc like we we try to col- i think we try to collaborate with people who are previously not really deeply related to natural dyeing korea to make something more like fresh i guess mm. <laughs> like something new mm-hmm. just yeah. like well, we also do have a lot yeah yeah exactly we also ha- do have a lot of um connection and um and like relations with the like like people like crafters people like crafters weaver knitter you know people fabric and textile in general and we do have like workshop and like um, one day class and everything going on at our studio and but the whole point for us is to kind of introduce people a way of using natural dyeing and indigo dyeing to their own work Interesting. And do you um, work with textiles as well? Do you weave or dye fabric? Yeah. Um. We do the. We mostly do the dyeing. Um. Uh. Like. Like I. It would be amazing that we if we can do like everything, but <laughs> <laughs> like. We realize that it will be it is quite difficult to manage everything by ourselves <laughs> and be good. So we like when like if we want to, for example, do some weaving project or we want some weaving related um, product or fabric, then we will like try to c- 
connect with the weaver around around our community so that we can like give them some like like shared like common project some work to do like together mm. and uh, again like if we need like knitting some like, knitting related re- related um yeah some kind of product or like yeah something then we'll also collaborate with the knitter yeah so we work in this way and we try to do the dyeing like yeah mostly dyeing for ourselves Mm, so you kind of collaborate with textile artists and weavers but you focus more on the farming and the dyeing aspect yeah dyeing that's awesome yeah so do you have any new projects that you're working on um well there is um like we always try to make some like interesting project that people like ordinary people who don't know much about natural dyeing and legal dyeing can get also get interested so um like one of the projects like coming next is like we are trying to build make a like DIY kit for natural dyeing and indigo dyeing like so that it can be more mm, like introduced to people as a hobby I would say mm, like more accessible so we're working on with yeah more accessible yeah that's right because um I guess this um textile and other area um, and like handmade weaving and um, knitting are like the is growing like it has been growing quite I guess like well and there are many fans of this um, activities but I guess dyeing is still like a small thing in textile industry textile handmade industry and I kind of want to bring this a little bit more up and like let people know that it is actually not a very very difficult thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's also a lot of fun. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. <laughs> and where can people go on social media or the internet to follow you and to potentially buy some of these die sets? Yeah, uh, we do have um, Instagram and Facebook. So I think if you like search on kindigo studio then you can find us on instagram and we're trying to make a youtube channel but it hasn't (laughs) been happening yet that would be awesome (laughs) (laughs) yeah but it's like it's really difficult to edit this video (laughs) i realized like we have like so many little clips now but i it's just we just have didn't have time to put things together and make a good content to upload but this is one of my um plan for this year i think to, to have some yeah to start a more like video related content uploaded by sometime this year 
Yeah, and we do have a blog, but unfortunately, it's only written in Korean, so <laughs> many of your listener wouldn't really be able to get access. But yeah, at the moment, blog is just the Korean one, but I like because I want to have more like international connection and yeah. And like more like visitors from other side of the world, I will. I would love to eventually open the English blog. Yeah. yeah, and definitely keep us and the listeners. Yeah, of um, course. Yeah, alerted for when you do that, yeah. so that <laughs> they can come and see what you're working on. Yeah, especially uh, I'm sure people would be interested in learning more about how you guys create your indigo vats. Um, yeah, because I've. I've never heard of that method, so I'm super intrigued by it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been great having you on the podcast. Yeah. I've learned a lot about indigo. It's always really interesting to learn about the different ways and people in different regions and different methods that yeah, people yeah. are using. So before you go, do you have any advice or words of wisdom to share with weavers and textile enthusiasts? Right. Um. It's actually. I don't know if I, I'm wise enough to give people wisdom, but um, just like this is one of the um, what we kind of as a kindigo as a team, we kind of this is one of things that we kind of try to keep in mind. So I don't know if this can be related or helpful to other people, but. Like, I believe that it is, of course, really important to enjoy what you do, and it is really important that, like, weaving, knitting, dyeing, or etc., like this kind of thing is fun enough for you to keep going. But I also think that it becomes more meaningful when you kind of find your own value in it. So, like for us. Natural dyeing and indigo dyeing is not just a fun art activity or just not just a fun craft work, but it's also a way of living and like sustainability and the solution to many some like problems in the world today. So I don't know, like I hope that many like textile fans and like artists are aware of. This kind of value of natural ingredient and the way of actually using it, as well as its beauty in terms of color. Well, thank you. I think that was very wise. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> and thank you for joining the podcast again. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for the session. That's a wrap. I really enjoyed talking with Una, and I highly suggest you all check out the beautiful hues of blue they produce at Kindigo. You can find links to their work as well as to their workshops in our show notes at www.justyarn.com slash episode 56. Next week on the podcast, Sarah is talking to Jillian Marino. Jillian is a spinner, weaver, knitter, and the author of Yarnitecture. 
They're talking all about spinning for weaving. So stay tuned for that next Monday. And until next time, happy weaving. Happy weaving.